That's awesome. Amen. Now, that, yeah, that is a committed Christian to give up a Philly roll for the Lord. Um, we are going to hear multiple stories of uh, folks, single, married, uh, that have stepped into generosity here at RCC. And Jackie is one of the many stories uh, of folks that have said yes and stepping into generosity. If you don't know Jackie, uh, she, she's awesome. She heads up our baptism team. Uh, she'll be at our baptism class after today. She makes sure that you get into the water and out of the water alive when you, when you do get baptized. Um, and uh, just so thankful for her willingness to share uh, her story. And as I said, you're going to hear several stories of folks at RCC that have stepped into to generosity. And sometimes when you um, have a series on money, people think like, oh, all the, church is, uh, all the church wants is our money. Well, what we want is life transformation. And usually that happens in the grind of figuring out how to obey Jesus. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to do a series called Genetically Generous. Now, how many of you, you can raise your hands, you don't, you don't have to, but if you raise your hands, you're going to call yourself out. But I wonder how many of us have logged on and bought the kit for Ancestry.com? Or 23andMe. Anybody in the room? Yeah, no one's going to raise their hand. A few people, okay. All right. That scares me because, not, not, not that you've done it, but because like, like the FBI is in on it now. So like I've already shared with you some of the function and dysfunction in my family. Uh, and so the, 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 uh, the feds have like, like if someone commits a crime and they're a part of your, like th- they use that stuff to find you. So I, I haven't done it yet. I don't want to know if I'm connected to Manson or Ed Kemper or any of those weird serial killers. I just I avoid it. But it's interesting uh, what you can find out about yourself through one small act, right? And uh, I think all of those websites are the same thing. You order the kit, you spit in the tube, and you wait three to five weeks to find out whatever you want, maybe more than what you want to know about your ancestry and about your family and your heritage and your lineage. And one of the things that we know about God is that God has wired us to be generous. Actually, in the book of Genesis, Moses writes in chapter 1, verse 27, that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So if God is generous, if God is loving, if God has a sense of wrath and justice, then if he has created us and Moses is telling the truth, then we are all wired for generosity. Now, some of us do wonder, like, I wonder where I come from or what my family is like. And some of us have asked, like, what is our history? Well, according to the Bible, it goes back to the beginning of time. We've asked identity questions, where we come from. According to Scripture, we come from, from God because we are created by God. And we've asked ourselves, uh, who are we? And the Bible says you are made in the image of God, which is to say, metaphorically, we share God's DNA. I'm not saying we are little gods. That's a different religion for another sermon series. But what I'm saying is we share in the propensity to give and to be generous and to be loving like our creator. And so the big idea for today as we sort of set up this series is this. We're wired for generosity because we're made in the image of a generous God. Now, here's my hope for this series is two things. Number one is we will lay down uh, over the next three weeks, uh, four weeks if you include today, sort of a biblical foundation of how to think well about generosity, okay? 
And so we'll try to be uh, objective in that. So we'll appeal to the black and white thinkers in the room, the judges in the room, but also we want to speak to the perceivers in the room. So you'll learn a, f- a theological foundation for generosity, but also you will learn individually what motivates you to give. Uh, we are a little narcissistic as humans, okay? I'll just say it for you. And there's a little... Um, I think there's a reason why we like taking personality profile tests, right? We love the disc profile, the Meyer Briggs. We like learning about ourselves, but secretly we love sitting in circles and learning about other people. So the way we judge them, like, oh, yes, there's a test that backs up. They are crazy, or they are overbearing, or they are too quiet. There's a sense that, like, we like learning about ourselves, but we like learning about other people that drives our judgments of them. Well, you're going to learn a lot about yourself uh, over the next couple weeks, not today, but in weeks uh, two and three of the series, you're going to learn your generosity profile, which is to say the motivation behind why you give. Now, Jackie shared her generosity profile, and we'll talk about it more this week on social media, so follow us if you haven't, and during the sermon next week, but Jackie is a budget keeper, boring. Uh, and I can say that because I, I love Jackie. I love Jackie. That does not motivate me to give. Give me a hill to conquer. Give me, give me a vision to give. And then she also said that she was a faith stretcher. So part of giving for her is the ability to trust and to stretch her faith, which I identify more closely with. The bottom line is this. If the Bible is telling the truth, then that means God created all of us and we're all uniquely wired to be generous, the why behind our generosity and the motivation behind our generosity comes down to the personality and the temperament and the uh, makeup that the Lord gave us at birth. And so what compels you to be generous might not compel me to be generous, and that's okay, because the underlining theme and a big idea is that if God actually exists and he created us in his image, and if God is a generous God, well, then we are all wired to be generous. And so I just want to give a few broad strokes of generosity. So if you've been around church for a while, you know the scriptures really well, you might think like, okay, this is probably like a a kiddie pool sermon. It's pretty shallow. But simple things can take really time, uh, really long time to focus in on when you're communicating them, okay? And so here's the first thing I want to say about generosity. And if I've done my job, you will roll your eyes after I say this. Generosity tells better stories. Yes, you say that all the time, Ben, because it's true. When we step into generosity, and even when we plan for our future, retirement, savings, all that, when we step into generosity, we create more doors of opportunity for us to walk through in the future. A a church can have all the plans they want. They can pray all they want. They they can have all the meetings they want. Uh, But if a church does not have a generous heart to reach people who are far from God, uh, they have no generosity. They basically have no velocity. There's no movement and there's no momentum. Right? This goes like way beyond checkbooks to an invitation to be a part of the movement of the kingdom of God. Now, let me ask you a question. Whether you're a Christian or not doesn't matter because you can answer this question. What is it about yourself where you feel 
propensity to be generous when you see other people displaying generosity. There's just something about when we, you know, have a tough day or a tough week, and we're at the grocery store, and we see somebody model kindness, right? That kind of, it just stops us in our track, right? And go, wait a minute, life is bigger than, like, what's going on in my life. Or you're at, like, your favorite coffee shop on the drive through and somebody, you know, you're having a, you're going into a meeting at work that you don't really want to go to, plus it's Monday, uh, and somebody paid for your coffee when you pull up to the, like, there's just something about generosity that compels us to want to do that, Uh, because I think generosity tells better stories, and generosity tells beautiful stories. There's a company in Thailand that created a commercial that actually um, really exemplifies the power of generosity. And I want to invite you to, to watch this uh, two to three minute commercial that this Thailand company put together. There are subtitles, but I, I want you to think not intellectually, although you can, you know, you're human, you, you can do what you want, but, but also think about it emotionally. W- what, what emotions <coughs> does this stir up in me when I see that generosity does tell uh, better stories? So watch this commercial. What a compelling story of generosity, right? I wonder what uh, emotions welled up in you um, when you saw that. Uh, I, I, cried at, I cried my eyes out the first service, so I think I'm, I'm good now. But there's just something compelling, you know, so something non-religious <laughs> about looking at someone, oh, you're a human too. It's non-religious in the sense that because God created everybody to be generous, and to think of what that boy could have done. He grew up to be a doctor, and he could have been resentful. He could have done other things. But <clears throat> you don't get to tell that story if generosity is not a value that you have. Churches don't get to see those kinds of stories um, unless if they're willing to step into generosity. I think that's one of the reasons why, although I could be wrong, wouldn't be the first time or the last time, but I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus talks about money so much and our finances so much is because the kingdom of God is the most beautiful story that you could tell. And what I'd like to do with our time together is talk about uh, a few aspects of generosity. Number one is this, that generosity flows from a loving God. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7-8, through John writes, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who has uh, been born of God knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, <laughs> because God is love. It's a really beautiful verse, isn't it? It's a difficult verse to live out, because uh, I think John is saying that it's not enough to know theology about God, if you're not willing to, like, <clears throat> if it doesn't motivate you or compel you to love other people or to be generous to other people. It's almost like when you ask um, a philosophical question, when does, when does somebody know something? When they've memorized it or when it compels them to actually live it out? And John, here in 1 John 4, 7-8, through 8, says one of the defining characteristics of God, which isn't this, it's not to say that God is only love, God is a multiple of other things. He's holy, just, uh, all of those things as well. But one of the statements that John seems to be inviting us to think about is this, that 
that God in his nature is loving. And there's something about when we love each other and we see the other person in front of us is human, that that tends to tell the better story. Even though it might, get, it might not get played on social media or CNN or Fox News, it's a better story that the kingdom of God invites us into. And I want to look at two aspects very briefly, if I could, and we'll talk more about this as the series continues, is God's generosity at creation. Uh, one of the writers of Psalms, uh, Psalm 24, 1 through 2, says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. So if, <clears throat> if the writer is telling the truth, okay, the writer is telling the truth, and then what he's saying is when we die and the world ends, however that's going to work, when it all goes back in the box, God owns everything. He created everything, his, his footprints is on everything, and it all goes back to him. Now, when a father dies in the first century, all of the property, the animals, the cattle, the, the, the land would go to the firstborn son, and then smaller portions disseminated amongst his brothers. <clears throat> so why does that matter? Well, in Colossians chapter 1, somewhere around verse 15, 16, 17, Paul describes Jesus as being the firstborn among all of creation. Now, I didn't know this until middle school because I had a good youth pastor. Jesus didn't exist at Christmas. Did you know that? He is the God that created the world. So my little seventh grade mind was like, what? Why does that matter and why, you should, why should you care? Here's why. Everything the Father creates belongs to the, his firstborn, which is Jesus. Now, if we are followers of Jesus, meaning we believe that Jesus is God, he died for our sins on the cross, rose again three days later, we uh, express that publicly in baptism, the Bible says <clears throat> there's something that happens to us in the documentation of being part of God's family. You find it in the book of Ephesians. It, the, the writers of Ephesians say we are now adopted into God's family, that we were once enemies of God according to Romans, and according to Ephesians and Colossians, we were, we were far from God. If given the option on a test, we would not want to follow God. Like That's how rebellious we were. And so you have a generous, creative, loving God who creates this thing we're all in now, surprise, called life. It all belongs to his son, Jesus, who also said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me, which is to say no other religious teacher has ever said that. Every other religious teacher of every other major world religion say, well, don't, I can't, I'm a prophet. Jesus is the only guy that says, no, I am God. Okay, so if that's true, if the Father created everything, it belongs to the Son, and then if you are a Jesus follower through the cross, resurrection, and this term that we even step into, this legal term called adoption, we are part of God's family. And so that everything God created belongs to the Son, and through the sacrifice of the cross, now belongs to us. You own God's playground it belongs to you. Last weekend, I had my first experience hiking in the White Mountains. 
on a hike that I should not have hiked. <laughs> I usually do this thing called research, and when I got down from the mountain, it said, you just hiked the 10th toughest hike in New Hampshire. Oh, okay. But I was hiking on the generosity of God, because those mountains are now mine, if the Bible's telling the truth. Some of you have spent your summers on the lake or swimming in the ocean, and whether you knew it or not, you were swimming in the generosity of God, that that ocean or that lake, it, it's yours now. You're one of the Father's kids. It, it, it belongs to you. Some of you got on motorcycles or however you get around and you headed up the coast to Maine with the wind in your hair and your favorite 80s guilty pleasure song blasting. And you thought you were taking a trip, but you were feeling the breath and the wind and the generosity of God on your face. Everything belongs to God, and if that's true, it's ours too, because we're his kids. We're in his family. Yeah, but I got to pay my light bill this week. (laughs) Mm. I think the writer is trying to give us a perspective here that, yes, we have tasks that we have to do for sure, but a bigger perspective, I think a theological perspective on generosity is this. That everything that we get to experience in this world, the created world, it ultimately belongs to us. Because we're God's kids. And because God chose to be generous through his creation. And God continued his creation even even on the cross in a very familiar verse. And even if you're not familiar with with the Bible, you're in New England, so you've probably seen a few sporting events. You probably saw this crazy guy with a sign up <laughs> that quoted John 3:16 which says for God so loved the world that he gave he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life <clears throat> it's interesting right it's interesting that uh, God would look at our world through all of the pain that we inflict on ourselves the pain that other people have done to us and and as one of my favorite um, Jesus followers, I guess, a friend of mine would say that we, we sin in our pain when our backs are against the wall and we feel like we don't have a, another option or a better option. We're, we're thinking short term. We, we're doing things that we wouldn't normally do, like our character wouldn't normally allow us to do that. And so God, God, sees, <laughs> God sees all of this, right? The sin, the evilness, the pain looking at other people as less than how God created them to be. And what does scripture say, <laughs> right? In the verse that almost every person knows, almost every person of other religions know this verse about Christianity, that God so loved the world that he, he gave. He was generous. It's not something that maybe you have experienced where you had a father walk away from your family because it was just too difficult. Or you had a mother that walked away from your family because it was just too difficult. Or you had a business partner where he, he or she wasn't willing to take, make the investment or take the risk or whatever it was, and, and, and they just walked away. And, and John, in John 3.16, tells us and reassures us, or maybe tells us for the first time, that when God sees a world of pain and brokenness, he moves in. He moves towards us. He displays his love. He displays uh, his generosity towards us, which is a beautiful gift. Uh, if, 
if you believe that the writers of scripture were telling the truth, that if you believe that Jesus is who he claims to be, claimed to be. Friends, we're wired to share the same impulse to give as God, and we're wired to share the same impulse as um, God's generosity, but also has his love, even, even his holiness. We know when things are right and when things are wrong. It's, it's innate within us. It's because God created us to be generous, and we share, so to speak, God's generosity in his DNA. I love when, um, I, I, <laughs> I, I think, um, I, my brain's weird, but when God created the world, I think he, he, he hides pockets of truth, right, that we discover through math, science, medicine, theater, art, uh, through, through culture, and I love when um, I, 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 I come across really intelligent articles that already um, support what God had already put into the world, and for some of us, we're finding it out for the very first time. Uh, there's an article written by U.S. News and World Report entitled, What Generosity Does to Our Brain uh, and Life Expectancy, and I want to share two paragraphs from, uh, from that article. It reads as follows, the feel-good effects of giving begins in the brain. It's called giver's glow. It's triggered by brain chem- I know it's weird. It's triggered by brain chemistry, which recognizes rewarding stimuli. Philanthropy dole- doles out several uh, different happiness chemicals, including dopamine and endorphins, that give people a sense of euphoria, which is associated with tranquility, serenity, or peace. The audacity that a secular article would have. <laughs> That says when we give financially, we express generosity, we're more at peace with ourselves? We give away money? He goes on, it goes on to say this pleasure and reward system at its most basic level is tied to the joy we receive from eating, sex, and social interactions. Viewing uh, the brain with MRI technology during moments of generosity, our selfless behavior has led scientists to uncover that even the thought of giving uh, can exchange this ancient, can engage this ancient response. This explains why the brain responds to generosity in a similar way uh, as it does behaviors necessary for life. W- wait a minute. When I give... I have an, an inner peace about myself. And then when I give, I have the same uh, chemical reaction in my brain as to uh, having sex and intimacy with my wife, uh, eating good food, amen, bacon, and uh, having friends, like when I'm in a life group. What? Isn't it great when science catches up to what God has already wired us for? That, that even the thought of giving is healthy for us. <laughs> the possibility that we could actually make an impact in somebody else's life or through a charity or through, yes, even our church here at RCC. This is how God has wired us, friends. He's wired us to experience and express generosity. And so what, what would be uh, our next steps for this? Well, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I am going to invite you into several steps that you can take. Uh, When you walked in, uh, you should have sat on or removed uh, the 90-day generosity card. I invite you to bring that guy out. Uh, We are going to step into a 90-day generosity challenge at RCC, and let me explain what that is. 
Uh, over the months of September, October, and November, we are inviting you to have a conversation with your spouse, uh, significant other, family, kids, whoever it is that you do life with. I will say, parents, if you do have children, this would be a great conversation to bring them in on. I remember when I was a kid, I was not allowed talking about you know, money or bills or how much do we give. I was just supposed to be thankful there was food on the table, which I was. I was just curious. It's a curious kid. How does, how does this happen? And it would have been a blessing to me if I would have been invited in with my family, uh, with my family's um, uh, next steps in generosity. So here are, here's what we're inviting you to do. Take this card home, talk about it with your family, bring it back on September 8th. Don't worry, we'll have more in case you forget. All right, it's a church. Come on now. And on the back are never, uh, never are several next steps you can take. Number one is our Financial Peace University class, which starts September 15th. Uh, you can sign up online uh, or as you head out on the <laughs> connection point. Every church has one. He's ours, okay? <coughs> and he does model generosity, so I'm going to let it slide. Uh, so if, you, if you're like, I don't even, I don't have a budget. Uh, I talked to somebody after the first service today. I, I, I don't even have a budget. I have, I have no, no retirement. Like, I have savings. What is, I, I don't know where to start. Or maybe you do know where to start, but you feel so defeated in your finances that, that something like this scares you to death. Well, the next step would be for you to sign up for FPU, Financial Peace University. Uh, my wife and I did it three, four years ago at my last church, and it proves that this article is true. I didn't know this, but and I can't say this is true for everybody, but when my wife and I did FPU, our, uh, we had alignment on paying our bills. We had alignment on giving. We increased our giving. Our friendships with other people improved. Uh, our relationship with one another between Crystal and I improved. And our sex and our intimacy improved. Went through the roof, actually. Why? Because God knows what he's talking about. When he created... Yes, I said that. All right? <laughs> if, if, you can't be, if you can't be honest in church, what can you be honest, right? right? Probably the casino. I don't know. But, but it, it backs up what we already know to be true. And generosity is not something that God wants from you. It's what he wants for you. And so uh, the next steps you can take are signing up for FPU, uh, deciding to increase your giving by a certain percentage or dollar amount, or one of my favorite next steps, I'm going to give for the very first time and consistently uh, over the next 90 days. So we want you to take this home, talk about it with your family. It is your decision to make. Uh, on September 8th, we'll give you an opportunity uh, to, to drop the card off. Uh, on the bottom of the card is a name and address. Why is that there? Here's why. Uh, we are, our elder team and staff team, we are committed to praying for you if you step into the generosity challenge, and we will mail, our staff will mail this card back to you at the end of November, just a simple way to say, hey, how's it going? Now, let me say this. I know we're a year and a half out from ending our next campaign, all right? So you, some of you may be thinking, you want to give more? This is a conversation between you and the Lord, okay? It's an invitation between you and the Lord. We're just simply asking you, how's it going with your giving towards a general budget? If you are greatly offended that I would bring this up, then don't take the, it, it's totally up to you. But if you talk to your family and you sense that there's margin, there's, sense, there's things like Philly rolls and sushi or something that you can cut out, then we invite you to have that conversation and take those next steps. Uh, as we step into generosity and create more doors of people to meet Jesus 
and more opportunity uh, in our future. Uh, friends, in just a moment, we're going to take uh, communion together. We've got stations in the back, two in the back and two in the front, and we're going to celebrate God's generosity. Honestly, if Jesus doesn't go to the cross, there's, there is no church, uh, there is no communion. And so if you are a Jesus follower today, uh, we encourage you to take communion uh, and celebrate the generous meal that Jesus freely gives us, uh, even in our own stubbornness, even our reluctancy, to even to step into things like generosity, God still moves uh, towards us. So let's pray. We'll take communion together and continue in worship. Jesus, thanks so much for uh, this series. I, I know yeah, people, me, churches can get weird when you talk about money, but it's something that you want for us. It's something, Jesus, that you talk about a lot uh, because it, it is so much part of our personhood. And so I pray for my friends now that are thinking about the generosity challenge to either sign up for FPU, maybe give for the first time, and increase their giving by a dollar a percentage amount. Thank you for an elder team and a staff team that is willing to step into this as well and to lead by example. We're excited for the stories that we're going to be able to tell through our you know, simple obedience by stepping into generosity. Lord, as we take communion, we celebrate your generosity towards us. That in the middle of our sin, our brokenness, our pain, our lack of trust, and a million other things, you move towards us and you love us. And we thank you for that. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.